Okay, we are live, episode 141. I am at a new location for today. Uh, we've got Lauren Chu uh, with a Love and Chu Brands. We have Hannah McGu uh, with Banana Brands. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. I'm excited. My pleasure. Uh, let's do it, Lauren. Uh, give us what it's all about, Love and Chew. Uh, when did it start? What's it all about? Hi, thanks for having me. So my name is Lauren and I'm the founder of Love and Chew Brands. So we launched in 2018 and we're the only protein cookie on the market targeted specifically for women. So we have four flavors available. Um, the most popular is banana bread. And then I'm super excited because next month we're launching a new cookie with higher protein baked with upcycled ingredients. So stay tuned. Very cool. Uh, it's only for, for it, it's geared towards women, but d dudes, <laughs> br br bros, men, everything that we can, it's all, you can have it too. Um, again, let's just, start, when did it start? Like, how did you get it going? What was the first sort of sort of phase as far as why it was uh, brought to market? Yeah, so my story is a little bit unusual. So I adapted one of my stepmom's recipes. So she went vegan and started making cookies and brownies and muffins. And I just loved her cookies because they had whole food ingredients and they were only date sweetened. Um, but my story is a little atypical where I went into my kitchen and then I actually approached a co-packer that would take small minimums. So they were able to bake like 800 cookies per run. A lot of people like they'll start out in a commercial kitchen, but again, I was like lucky to find someone that would take me, which is not really that usual. So what was uh, first distribution when you, when you were um, getting into sales and thinking about where you were going to place these, was it online first? Did you build a website? Give us that story. Um, I actually, so I live in San Francisco and I just went to all of the local grocery stores. So like Rainbow Grocery, Buy Right. I kind of showed up with my homemade cookies and a Ziploc bag essentially. And I pitched the buyer on the spot and San Francisco is a great community. They'll take local products and they're really supportive. So it's a great place to launch a brand. Shout out San Francisco. <laughs> um, yes. And I know those uh, grocers very well. Um, from yeah. there, where where did you go? Did you notice that they were selling through and thought, okay, I have something here, so I'll just continue distribution? Or did you, you know, sort of hone back a little bit and, and do some more testing online? How, how did that work? Yeah, so I, I had a friend that worked at LinkedIn at the time. And so he actually wanted to bring my cookies into his corporate cafeterias and office pantries. And so they you know, they tried my cookies, they love them. And then they shot me a PO for like three pallets. <laughs> and so that's when I kind of just had to figure things out. And I realized like, this is maybe going to turn into a real business. So got it. Yeah. Th yeah. Those were, those were great times, those corporate opportunities. Yeah. Uh, it started to come back this year. Um, it's, it's interesting. Like we were prior to COVID, we were really focused on that channel. Cause like just sort of by accident, we got into LinkedIn and then we expanded to other campuses as well. And then during COVID, you know, it went to zero because no one was going to the office. Um, so that's when we kind of diversified our sales channels. We got into more e-com, we launched in Whole Foods NorCal, we just launched into Rayleigh's. So I'm definitely building out like a regional brand for retail. Um, I know you talk about this a lot, Mark, but like 
retail is extremely expensive. <laughs> yes, so uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of things about retail that, that um, many don't understand, um, not just the, the financial piece to it, right? It's also understanding where's your customer, where, where, yeah. where do they live as far as market fit? And um, some grocers work well, some don't. Um, some yeah. channels work well, some don't. Um, and so in, in your case, um, as far as the team, is it just yourself right now? Are you handling everything or do you have a couple other people on the team? So I, I have two other people. So I have an operations director and I always thought like as a first time founder that my first hire would be a marketing person. But now that I have a full time operations person, that, I, that to me, I, I tell this to everyone who's at an earlier stage than me, your first hire should be an operations person. <laughs> It's amazing. And then I have um, I have an, a virtual assistant as well who's full time. So. That's a great comment. Um, a lot of that's asked a lot about <laughs> as far as who's the yeah. first hire. Um, it really does. Dis, it, it, it's determined based on what the founder has as far as yeah, uh, their makeup. So if you are sales focused, I'm a big believer that yeah. um, there's a benefit to having a sales background or, or cut with some sales um, at, as far as a founder. Um, I do know some that are more operation based um, and have figured it out. And often it, it's the reverse. So their first hire is sales, super key, by the way. Yeah. Um, and so, again, it, it's just whatever your story is, is how you're going to lay out the plan. Um, but just it, yeah, and I, I, yeah, I came from a sales background. Like I worked in tech sales and I worked in like product marketing, too. So, yeah. Cool. Um, let's, uh, talk about today. Um, so you're working on something else. It sounds like a little bit higher in protein. Um, what, what are the ingredients? I'm actually interested in that. Like, what are you making these up with now? And yeah. then what are you going to be doing to increase the, the protein level? Yeah. So right now we're, we're baking our cookies with almonds and almond butter, and that's like the primary source of protein. And as you know, that's an incomplete protein. Um, so we're switching over to an upcycled oat flour, which I'm really excited about. So in the oat milk production process, there's a byproduct. We've partnered with a company that basically dehydrates it and mills it into a flour. And then we're baking that flour into our cookies and they offer other products as well. Um, and then we're also using a chickpea protein. Um, so, I mean, it's not quite a full complete protein, but it's definitely a lot closer. And um, the best part, honestly, is not only are we getting to 10 grams of protein per two ounce cookie, but it doesn't taste chalky, which I'm extremely excited about. And because like, if you try any protein cookie on the market right now, like a Quest cookie or Lenny and Larry's, you kind of get that chalkiness at the end of the bite. So they taste really good. Yeah, um, that, that's, a, that's a good thing. Yeah, we, um, I, there are a lot of different products out there. Um, I always say it, it's somewhat subjective. Um, yeah. uh, oftentimes it, it isn't uh, as far as whether or not a product uh, tastes good or not. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm a big believer that if you produce a product, nine out of 10 people should say it's good and, and not yeah. like you're just your mom. Yes. <laughs> Your mom should tell you, yes. Um, you, you really should, have to, you know, again, nine out of 10 that you don't know who are going to provide really objective feedback, um, they should all say that it tastes good. It's just how, how you're going to uh, grow, grow your business. And the best uh, way to, to do that, back. I think, is, is through demoing. And don't tell people that you're the founder. <laughs> 
That, that's a good one. Um, I think I'm. I still think some. Again, depends on where you are. The the yeah. locale. Um, they have a hard time, you know, being honest when it's face to face. Um, it's also another reason why I'm, I really like Amazon platforms like that that don't yeah. you know that that don't allow for for reviews by those that are not actual buyers. Um, I, I many didn't like that switch some time ago. I love that, right? Because now yeah. you really get an idea. What is this? You know, product. What do people feel about it? Yeah. Um, again, for Amazon, you, you got to have a four star or, or higher. It's just my belief. Um, and how do you agree, just wait yeah. after 100 reviews and see what that looks like? And most importantly, the ones that have something negative to say, like accept that, take it in and really, you know, understand where is it coming from and is the comment real? Um, feedback like that's fantastic. So uh, what, what does the next 12 months look like? So I don't remember, I don't know if you remember, we had this conversation like maybe two years ago and we were talking about margins through distribution and you're a big believer. I think you still feel the same way. You must have, but basically I think a lot of founders get into this trap where they think that the margins will improve over time as they get with, as they get more scale. And then like everything that's happened in the past two years and like, I'm, I'm looking at the fall and the ingredient shortage. It's just like, it's so important to have healthy margins. And then the other thing I'm really thinking about, so we, we have a large launch coming up later in the year is like, I feel like a lot of founders don't really talk about PO financing. Um, I, I, it's just something I'm working through right now. Like the fact that you have to pay for your raw materials upfront and your co-packing or your whatever, if you're running a manufacturing facility, your labor, and then you're not getting paid like net 30 from your customer. It's just kind of like, how do you bridge that gap? Right. And it's either through equity or PO financing. So I'm working through that. Like they're big challenges and it's exciting, but it's also very stressful. It is very stressful. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like three... large amounts of money and you're just like, oh my gosh. I have three comments. Um, one is not, I do remember our conversation. I even remember where I was standing. I was out in front of my house. I was walking up and down the street when we were. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's number one. Uh, I'm weird like that. I remember really. Um, number two is, um, uh, yes, margin is extremely important. I, I'm literally, I'm at somebody's house and there's a reason why I'm here, but, um, it, and we just were talking about that. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm divulging this information about what are we dealing with? And yeah. um, it's so tough. Uh, and if you are not vertically integrated, if you do not own your factory, um, it's, it's, it's even tougher. Um, and so, um, you know, you you're dealing with uh, another business that is giving you the opportunity to work with them and they also need a margin yeah and then there are all the inputs inputs are like ingredients and things like that nature right yeah. and, and those things move you over the last 12 months just just in the last 12 months alone you have all of these numbers moving and not in your favor yeah. And then you try as a business to offset that. How do you do that? Well, that means you have to increase pricing. Yeah. And you come to find out of a lot of different things. So some is that it doesn't work that, you know, uh, your product, especially an emerging brand, right? You're, you're, you're not craft, right? You're, yeah. I'm seeing the proverbial you, like me, me you, everybody, there's the, the hundreds of brands that maybe end up seeing this over time they all should be like, yeah, I know that's, oh, it sucks. And 
I get it. She gets it. We're dealing with the same thing. It's really navigating the business. And, um, and it's really, really tough. Third item, capital. Yeah. You need a lot more than you think. Yeah, seriously. It's just, you need a lot more. And the the one piece that she's talking about, so PO financing, that could be for another subject. How do you do that? Why, what, you know, your pain points and all that stuff is that um, for operating capital alone, which people often don't understand, meaning you have to buy the materials, you have to buy the product, you have to run the product. So you own a bunch of inventory. Well, how do you finance all that? You know, you need capital. And the timing of the cash flows. And the timing of it, because then by then you then sell some of it. Then that starts the clock with somebody who owes you money, which by the way, they They don't always pay on time. Deduction. Well, it's not just, they (laughs) owe deductions and things you weren't aware of. So that's just a recap of the items she's talking about. It's um, all understood and we're experiencing the same things. Yeah. It's, I mean, getting from zero to one is, 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 is the hardest part. Like I still say, I still believe that's the hardest part, but now like figuring out how to scale and get the business to the next level. And like, what partners do you work with? Cause like, again, the challenge with co-packing, right? Like I'm thinking about that. I'm going through that right now. Like, how do I get guaranteed line time? Right? Like, are they selling their own product and they're prioritizing it? Do they have a larger customer that they're prioritizing? There's just so many moving pieces. It's also really fun still and it should always be fun so that's good stuff lauren's info i'm gonna get lauren's info i'm gonna get up there at the end of the show we're gonna move this over to hannah give it to us banana brands what's it all about you got it well i gotta say first of all that was such a rich conversation i could have listened to that for another hour and it reminds me of so many roundtables i've sat as part of back when I was on the corporate retail side. Um, and that's really where, where Banana Brands started. So it emerged from a lot of consulting work I was doing with all sorts of CPG brands while working corporate at places like Sephora and Forever 21, launching a retailer within Forever 21, um, and really realizing that I was so cross-trained to understand not only what makes a brand attractive to a retailer, what makes them take a chance on launching a brand, um, and that comes down to confidence in a lot of cases. Will this brand know how to advertise themselves on social? Will they be speaking the current lingo so that they can actually drive sell-through in our store and we're not sitting on inventory? All the way to what makes a brand successful on its own online. So my clients come to me for a variety of reasons. And really what I think Banana's Sweet Spot is doing, uh, su- Sweet Spot is, is looking at the brand, understanding what makes it extraordinary. And that sounds generic, but I literally mean extraordinary in that these days, as I'm sure both of you have seen, everybody and their brother is launching a brand. There, there's so much market saturation. So it's really important to lean into what makes you authentically different. And in your case, Lauren, upcycled ingredients, I'm not seeing that a lot. That is really, really cool. Um, so if you were a client, of that, we lean into that. Oh, say that again. I'm really excited about the future. You should be. That's so cool. Yeah. And I love how you can explain your process. You're really hands-on. You know exactly what's going down in terms of those uh, oats being taken and rolled back into grain and all fabulous things. So we could incorporate that into your social strategy and really um, show a peek behind the curtain and, um, you know, use that to inform your TikTok and Instagram strategy as it relates to video. But there are some brands that come to me and they're already established, but they feel a little stuck. So we might look at repositioning them through a full rebrand and that might help them with the priority of 
uh, an acquisition. Other times a brand doesn't want to become acquired. They just want to see growth. Maybe they just want to increase their e-com sales. So we could look into social, of course, but also take a look at how they're managing their ads, um, what their partnership strategy looks like. Just using Love and Chew as an example, as you guys were talking, I'm sitting here in a co-work space in Santa Barbara of all places, and they have a couple of locations, probably less intimidating than a company like WeWork to get a hold of. What's yeah. stopping them from maybe stocking your cookies in their communal kitchens where you, uh, there's all sorts of your target demographic walking in and out Monday through Friday um, that might fall in love with your cookie, see it as a complete meal or a healthier snack and then want to repurchase you at Whole Foods or wherever their local distributor is. So really, my business runs the full gamut of marketing services. But what makes us different is I'm leading my team from an understanding of having sat on the retail side and been a very critical evaluator of small emerging brands and um, really looking at their business and working with their founders to understand is this one we want to take a bet on? Do we see this really blowing up on social? Do we see them resonating with the consumer when they're walking by displays? So it's been a really fun journey. And I love hearing conversations like the one that's happening between the two of you. Cool. We appreciate it. Hannah, Banana yeah. Brands, Lauren, Love and Shoe. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your okay. week. You too. Bye, guys. Bye.